Welcome to the Love That Podcast. I'm Mark, and here with me are my colleagues Charlie and Marcio. Hi. Hello. This podcast is about all things creative. Specifically, the subjects of design, digital, and video. With other stuff thrown into the mix. As well as being able to listen to us, you'll also be able to see us and what we're getting up to on our YouTube channel. We're currently on our podcast set, which has kindly been provided to us by the University of Portsmouth. With a big thanks to the CCI department for helping to us to film and record this series. This time, Marcio, it's your turn in the hot seat. So yeah, last episode we talked about the design, uh, conveying emotion and feeling in design. This time it might be a bit harder for you because obviously digital, how, how would you do that? Yeah, educate us. Well, I think it all starts with previous episode with the design because at the end of the day, when we started with all the digital solutions, like probably late 80s, early 90s, it was everything functional, whatever worked, with the command line to the early days of the internet. It was whatever the information is there, it's fine. As, people, as long as people is getting it, it's okay. Uh, but now the design is having to influence a lot more because it's trying to get that human relation, um, as we were saying on the previous episode, it's about making that engaging and everything is through design. So that's a lot of, of that user experience and user interface, UI, UX that you hear so much now. But one of the main benefits that I see is that you can test it. And that's how we approach it because most of the developers, myself included, are not great designers. <laughs> I, I can probably get to a, a fine design, but it takes me a lot longer than a design Sign a proper design professional. And so what we try to do, and I think what has been working especially with big companies, is A-B test testing. Mm. Drawing out a few design elements, drawing out to see what works, and testing it, and get, gather that data, and then apply it accordingly. I think one is, is always the balance of, of a stick to what is known for and what people is used to, and always to evolve what is actually more natural, what is more instinctive, what is, feels more, more human in how to interact with these devices or technology. How do you, like, so just thinking about how to interact, how do you, how do you define what is a expected behavior? So how someone uses a particular device or navigates through a certain, you know, website journey or whatever to, you know, when you're actually needing to, to evolve that or cater it for, say, a different audience group. Say, say, say a client needs to engage with an older audience. How do you balance, you know, the, the existing default functionality into what you actually need to do to, to cater to a different audience? Yes, I think it all depends, as you were saying, it's about the, that, that audience and that research that you should have done before. <laughs> Obviously, by the time you get into development, both design, um, discovery and define should have been already established. So, in theory, you shouldn't have those questions anymore. But <laughs> if you do, you, you, that's what you have to like, 
prototype phases now into development, which is something that we've been embracing so much more in the last few years. It's just doing those, those uh, Adobe XD prototypes so you can test your design, send it hopefully to that target audience and gather some feedback, gather some surveys. I think one of the clear examples is when you go to, to obviously left to right and right to left, just how to read have a massive influence on how to design websites and, and anything really or, or if you read up and down anything or, or those languages I think that's one of the clear examples that everything needs to be changed because instead of like for websites commonly like rule of thumb you have your log on the right your main content on the right because people will be reading from from left to right and then scroll down but if you're from a country that doesn't do that, or in a particular audience that doesn't do that, everything needs to be swapped. Mm. Yeah. And now we're seeing it as well with mobile applications for mobile devices. Now, phones are getting bigger. They're getting more, more real estate within the screens. So for the regular user, the thumb doesn't usually get to, all the, to the top no, of the screen. My tiny hands. No. So a lot of, of companies now are dropping those, those settings, like menus, like I think Amazon drop most of the home orders and uh, buttons to the bottom of the screen, where it's more accessible to you, to most of the people. Um, but I think all of that, obviously, is being given a solution to a problem that is arising with new screens, or not a problem, but let's say, um, but it's, how, it's usability, isn't it? It's usability. How, how people use it. It's usability, but it's been tested. Yeah. It's been tested, it's, it's been gathered data to see if it's actually working or not, and depending on that, being fed back into, into the development team, into the design team to make those changes. The, the, the menu piece, so the menu changing from, you know, traditionally that top, top right down to the center, that's a really interesting one. So my, my partner, for instance, he did a recent update and the menu has changed from up the top to down the bottom. And that, that behavior change has really thrown him. Mm. And it's like, it's, even though that's better for, you know, the ergonomics of the, of the phone and how you hold it, he's so, like the muscle memory is so ingrained yeah. in using that top nav instead of a center. It's really thrown him. Yeah, so you're always going to get that when you make a change. <laughs> but the, the theory is that is because it's supposed to be a better way to interact, the, the amount of time that's going to take you to get used to that change is going to be a lot shorter than if it was something that doesn't feel natural. Yeah. But I think like Android is, is a good example because they changed from their, this has been a few years ago now already, but they had used to have the home button, the back button, and the context button that will let you see different apps to change to a full just... Um, gestures, navigation, which I think iPhones have been doing for a while since they got rid of the home button. They just went into full interacting gestures. But instead of forcing that to everyone, they gave the choice. Like, I think you get it as an option when you set up the phone, just to make sure that people that don't want to jump, make that jump. They're still to something that is familiar. Yeah. But as generations go, and new people start buying phones, that's gonna be, become the default. And eventually that's gonna disappear, the three buttons. One, because they are gathered data and there's the starting, but it's a big, it's a good way to keep both both yeah. options available for everyone. An interesting one is, you know, during the pandemic, our our business and how we communicate and engage with communities and the audience was very much face to face with a, a small mm. proportion of digital. 
So tell us a little bit about the, the kind of process that you went through to you know, capitalize on digital and help to still communicate and engage with those audiences on a platform that wasn't necessarily first nature to them. You know, they, they, it was all about going to a town hall or an event and meeting and speaking face to face, whereas the pandemic took that away. Yeah, I think on the first, in the first days was making sure that whatever experience we had was very familiar mm -hmm. to them. So it was about, about replicating those environments online. Um, now, probably a couple of years later, it's probably not the best thing to do for that particular medium. Just yeah. because you're online, you're on a phone, you're probably not always going to be able to do a 3D view mm -hmm. or, or a virtual room or a virtual board. It definitely has work in, in making that information available to, to that audience that is used to those platforms. Uh, but it's is something that we're starting to see is a better way to deliver it that is optimized for that particular channel. Um, but the other bit as well is, is what was lost completely was that human interaction because you would be able to go to those events and talk to the project lead, talk to the planners, talk to developers, talk to anyone who was, who was particularly interested or involved on, on the site. Uh, you couldn't do that anymore. And I think that's one of the main reasons they things like Teams, Zoom, and all of that exploded because people still wanted to see people. You still need to communicate with people, right? yes. even if you're stuck at home. Yeah. So yeah. You, you started to see those live shots, but you could also have video shots. I think Curry's, Curry's PC, it's not PC War on Curry's anymore, but it's just Curry's now. You could have a, like a self-assistance I saw that the other day on yeah. the website. On the website. I was looking at a product and it was like, do you want to speak to us about this product? Yeah, and they will also, like, if they were in store and they will talk to you of the product, like, because all that interaction has been lost, you have to do everything by email and not everyone is, prefers that. Especially because people is more used to getting information through audio or video than reading. Like, it's a... People don't read stuff anymore. So we talk about, keep talking about that's too much text. Yeah. Or, uh, that's too yeah, much yeah. copy. We need to reduce that to make it more digestible, more easy to, to manage. And I think that that's one part of the evolution the, of, of the challenges that we had to confront after we, everything had to go to a, to a digital form. How to still keep that connection, the human interaction yeah. without being personal <laughs> or yeah. in the real life. I think it definitely benefits my area yes. in terms of people don't want to read stuff they'd rather watch a nice video yeah definitely um, and i've definitely noticed throughout the pandemic going forward that the big shift of work coming in to support on that um obviously a, a big part of it was down to the the digital setup that, that you created or helped produce um and the the account managers from around the business and now starting to sell in videos with those digital consultations, mm. which, um, yeah, it's just, it's just great. Well, I think it's interesting as well because it has a lot to do with the attention span of someone, like for the videos, for example, that you just mentioned. You can't make a really big video of replacing the whole website because that would be too long and you can't yeah. really jump to the part that you're interested. So it's all, it's all about, about that. And the other thing that has been happening quite recently is, is applications or mobile apps or, or even websites trying to replicate human feelings or reactions or what you would find in real life. I think part of the success of platforms like TikTok is because it's, it's, it's so short 
the, the, the attention span that you need for to view a video. So it's not, it doesn't require a lot of you. And you also have that discovery phase that you, you, you just find something else that's interesting. And then you find something else, just trying to replicate what you find in normal life of meeting people, just kind of keeping that interaction and wanting to share it. I feel like people nowadays, are they, they don't have the patience for all the fluff. No, like no. obviously social media has been a catalyst, you know, the old word limit that you used to have on Twitter and things like that. It, I think people want people to get to the point a lot quicker and it's balancing that and making it still feel human so that it doesn't come across cold. Because again, one of, one of the disadvantages of digital can be that it can feel quite cold and yes. unhuman if you don't approach it correctly. Yeah, exactly. That's one of the great challenges you were saying before that it seems like it's harder for digital to make that that emotion connection with an audience because it has to come from videos or for the design and that yeah. is just partly partly true but it has to be there's some clever ways to do it functionality wise like i don't know if you've heard of that the dating app called thursday or something like that i'm and married of course i haven't <laughs> yeah sorry but, but <laughs> what is you? it <laughs> i know but i just i just like the the different approaches that they're taking of it so yeah one of the big challenges is if someone that is trying today, it kind of takes over them and, and it, it kind of is completely different to that real life connection that you could make with someone you just meet someone in a bar. So yeah. it's basically you can only connect to someone on Thursdays. So it does your date night. Oh, is that, is that where, is that no, where they, really I, I think I read about this in the paper. In the paper. No. Online. <laughs> online. On the, on the, on the electronic <laughs> paper. On, on the line. Um, and it was it was about they basically set uh, a venue. Yeah. Is it it must be every Thursday that all these single people go to and then they meet and they can I think like, I think they have the, the have in, in real life events like that, but made basically on Thursday they could only message the people that they match oh, or nice. stuff like That's that. That's crazy. So he just to try one, just to make sure that people just doesn't get addicted and just go through one in the left five <laughs> less or right, whatever it is, five less. Um and just keep it kept a little bit more more real and the more connection to something that you feel more unique and more special just to be able to limit the amount of people that you can communicate with. Yeah. And that's a prime example of how the technology is trying to replicate a human emotion that you can only find with real people face to face. Nice. I mean, my husband won me over on Facebook, so we'd met in, in person through work, essentially, but it was him messaging me on Facebook and trapping me with the Nando's that well, we've been together ever since. So, so. A, uh, the way to do it. <laughs> I mean, my situation was very similar to that, but <laughs> I won't go into details. Um, so I think that probably comes to the end of the digital side of things, Marcio. Thank you. It was really insightful for, Super insightful. for me and everyone listening, hopefully. Um, hopefully. Yes. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> um, but now let's go to our segment, section, segment, topic. Um, where we talk about random stuff. Industry or not industry related. And today's topic is about briefs. Not your underwear. Oh. Who calls <laughs> them briefs? I made, I made <laughs> the wrong research. <laughs> but about uh, the briefs we get in from clients. So the good, the bad, and the The good, what? the bad, and the what the is this? Yeah. Um, so 
what what are your guys' experiences with with briefs? I mean, I've had some awful ones recently that I can talk about. But <laughs> I you... mean, you have to take them with a pinch of salt, don't you? Because one of the one of the things you've got to remember is that we are the the creative experts, and they are the experts in in their industry. So to to expect them to understand wholeheartedly what we need in order to do our job is is unfair. But I mean, it's it's those classic words that get used, you know, like, oh, can you make it pop or mm. a little bit pizzazz. For us, it's for the music choice. Can it be upbeat? And it's like, <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> what does that even mean? <laughs> like, it, it, it's, it's sometimes it's like, you have to be a mind reader. Like, I think those are the ones that are more frustrating for, for me is when they tell you, when they don't know what they want and they just let you completely guess but, without giving you any background whatsoever. Or, or they do know what they want, but they're too busy to tell you what they want. Oh, so so yes. the other day I got an email, um, I'm not going to say who it was or client or anything, but it was like, um, I would just like to film some interviews. Um, and they'll be about 10 minutes long overall. Um, can you help? And it's like, yeah, I can help, but I need a bit more detail to... What <laughs> Are we the, what filming the, them on the moon? What the output's <laughs> going to be, locations, is it more than one day? Where are we filming? Who are we filming? How long for? Do they need a script? Do they... All these questions. So, I mean, it's, I guess it's why we have... A briefing template that we can send over to clients, which is really helpful. And one of one of the, the the kind of the piece of advice I give to you know the team is that ask the questions, don't be afraid. And you know if people feel you feel like they're getting impatient by all the questions you're asking, then you kind of just have to grin and bear it because at the end it will be worthwhile. You will have created something far more fit for purpose by kind of going through that yeah. uncomfortable stage. Yeah, I would probably say, give them a call. Like, you, they're, give they're them a call, pick up a phone, yeah. Yeah, exactly what you need. Otherwise, you're not going to deliver what they want and they won't come back. Because no. sometimes they do struggle to, to know what they want. And that's yeah. what I find more on, on, my, on my aspect, is that they're not sure how, what is that, that, from, that look that they're after. So you need to work with them. You cannot... The, you know, those classic questions of if you were a car brand, what kind of brand would you be? Yeah. Or what what, kind what of, dog would you be? What dog would you be? As, as, as long as they know uh, dog, dog breeds, brand. uh, some car brands. Dog brands, <laughs> dog breeds. <Yes. laughs> but yeah, it's, 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 there are questions just to getting out from it. And, yeah. and I, as more often than not, I think it's getting better as well because obviously our accounting team is, is getting better at getting that from the client and yes. they're, they're quite experienced now. And, and to be fair, some, some clients um, are getting really good at it. Like the other day, I got a whole PowerPoint deck through of like eight slides oh, of a nice. whole brief. It gave me like the branding information. It gave me um, exactly like the key messaging they wanted to hit, mm. it, uh, video examples of what they liked. Mm, um, and, and at the end, a little bit of a, a script that they had written out as well, and I was just like, "You've done my job. Yeah. Like that is perfect." Yeah. And then the other, the other part of that is is distinguishing what the client wants as to what they need. So mm. sometimes a client will come to you with a brief, and they'll say, "We want this, this, and this," 
when you start to unpick it, and that's where kind of the way we look at insights is really important and data is like, is we get this is what you want, but is this what you actually need to to really fulfill that 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 issue or, or change that behavior? Yes, I, I think I think part of our job is to question whenever they come like that, because sometimes they do get to, to our department, especially just looking for that deliverable just just to do that output they already they already think they have everything that they need and most of the time they haven't paid us to do that work for them mm. so all we can do is just question it and say are you sure because to me there will be this uh, we can't make it necessarily because limitations budget and so on but at the very least we should question it yes yeah. cool well i think that's us done for today yeah. on this episode. Um, thanks again, you two, for your input. Um, it was quite an interesting one. I yeah. really I, I, I enjoyed it. Um, and thank you guys for listening at home. Um, so in the next episode, we're actually going into my world, we're going into video. So we're we'll going to talk about, about Mark's area. I'll actually get to speak this time, <laughs> yes, which will be quite nice. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <clears throat> but yeah, if, if you want to, um, obviously, comment or let us know about anything we've discussed in this episode please do below um, and if you're not on YouTube then get in touch via email um, at hello at love that.co.uk thank you goodbye bye bye